New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. It is only through a change in human consciousness that the world will be transformed. The personal and the planetary are connected. As we expand our awareness of mind, body, psyche, and spirit, and bring that awareness actively into the world, so also will the world be changed. This is our quest as we explore new dimensions. You're listening to a New Dimensions Archive Edition, recorded in 2007. The New Age is middle-aged and needs a makeover. We've had 50 years of exploring this New Age human consciousness movement, and it's not new anymore. For decades, spiritual and self-help literature has encouraged people to go within, to heal old wounds, nourish egos, and coddle one's inner child. It's time for a movement of enlightened spiritual souls to make a difference in the world. All you have to do is enter your castle. These are the words of our guest today, Carolyn Mace and provide the focus for this edition of New Dimensions. For 20 years, Carolyn Mace worked as a medical intuitive, one who sees illness in a patient's body by intuitive means, and specialized in helping people understand the emotional, psychological, and physical reasons why their bodies develop illness. In 2003, she founded the CMED Institute, an educational program that specializes intensive classes on archetypes, personal power, mysticism, and sacred contracts. She has appeared in two highly successful public television programs, why people don't heal and how they can, and three levels of power and how to use them. She's the author of the New York Times bestselling books, Invisible Acts of Power, Sacred Contracts, Why People Don't Heal and How They Can, Anatomy of the Spirit, and Entering the Castle, An Inner Path to God and Your Soul. My name is Michael Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Carolyn, welcome. Thank you, Michael. It's good to be here. Uh, Carolyn, I want to go back to when you had this, uh, uh, you were about to turn 50, I think, and you had a you had an experience of not really kind of realizing, I don't have a practice. I don't have a... Spiritual life. Spiritual life. I have an interior spiritual Talk life. About that. A what, real one. What happened? Um, do you know, Michael, I, I, I find it so curious that, obviously, I'm on a book tour, and... Uh, no matter where I go, that's the question. I'm asked about my inner life, my relationship with Teresa of Avila, more than the book. And I find that so interesting because I wasn't going to write a thing about it at all because I'm not very revealing about my personal life. And uh, it, as you can tell by any of my other books, um, 
And when I was writing Entering the Castle, and it came time to write the introduction, my introduction was focused on why I was writing this book and my my um, belief that there is a mystical renaissance at work in the world today. And what is mysticism and why I see an emerging new form of lay mysticism surfacing within people. My editor said, this isn't going to be the introduction. And she, of course, knew about the background of how this book came to be written. And she said, I want you to tell that. And I said, no. And my editor and I have been together 14 years. And uh, so we had an argument, and um, not quite an argument really, but we went back and forth, and, and I, I finally um, uh, wrote the, the, the history, which is what you've just asked me about, and which is why it reads a far too personal introduction. And I said, this is far too personal. And it became a far too personal introduction. What I realized this year that I was turning 50, I, my birthday's in December, so this was the summer of that year, was as I stood in the, my kitchen, I took a, I paused for a moment and I thought, you know, it's very easy for people like you and me who are in uh, the business of consciousness and who are walking intellectual archives to think that that life of being very bright and very articulate is itself a spiritual practice. But it's not. It's simply an archive. And therein lies hubris. You see, the intellect is not a spiritual practice. It's simply an intellect. That's what Thomas Aquinas recognized when he had his first mystical experience. After all of his lifetime writings, he finally said, everything I've done is straw. When you have an authentic mystical experience, which is to say when you finally experience God versus chat about him in your arrogance, you are humbled and you realize, oh my God, I've known nothing at all. So in my kitchen, I realized, you know, for all that I know, I actually really don't have a practice. And then I dismissed it and thought, oh, well, because I'm just so bright and I teach and I write and that must be a practice. And even then I kind of thought, well, no, not really. But I have such a constant, you know, I, I grew up with the nuns. I was educated with nuns until I was 29. My college is a convent. So I was never not within a mystical fiber or within a fiber of thickly woven with God. I never ever strayed. I've never not prayed. But that is not the same as a devotion. It's not the same as what I've learned with Teresa of Avila. One of the things that happened was that you were on, you were doing a workshop, I believe, and you were on stage. Yes. And something happened. Well, you know, I tell you, in a, I will do such an abbreviation. In writing Invisible Acts of Power, which preceded this, and looking at... Um, the transition people make in life as a result of a crisis, and that the surviving of a life crisis oftentimes brings people to a more the, the desire to live a life of meaning as opposed to a life of acquisition. Okay, 
And that critical transition fascinated me because in that transition, what I noticed was it's as if the soul started to take over and dismantled the ego. Um, my CMED Institute, uh, in that, in that institute, I offered a class, a three-part class, in which I teach an evolution from intuition to mysticism with the, the, the premise was that inherent in us is a need to, we evolve from sort of an organic divinity, which is, uh, our intuition to a more mature spiritual life. And in the second class, I was going to teach an introduction into what is mysticism, who were the great mystics, what were their lives like. And the first day it was a uh, Christian mystics, and then the next day it was going to be Eastern mystics. So in the Christian mystics, of course, I, I went and uh, I was going to teach um, in this order, John of the Cross, Teresa of Avila, Ignatius, the Holy Anorexics, the Desert Fathers, Francis of Assisi, Claire of Assisi, blah, 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 blah. I was going to go through all of them very quickly. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know. And the next day it would be Rumi and Tagore and, and uh, the great of those. So you're going from the west to the east? That's correct. Because the great mystics are everywhere. Yes. Okay, no tradition has the corner on the great mystics. And as I was sitting on, on I always teach on a bar stool. I like a high stool because it, uh, it works for me. And I was on the stool and I had grabbed the great classic work of Teresa of Avila, which is the interior castle, which is her work on her path of illumination. And uh, although I was going to start with the dark night of the soul, and I thought, oh, well, who knows? They don't know what my agenda was. John of the Cross. John yeah. of the Cross. They didn't, they didn't know what my, it doesn't make any difference. I can make my agenda work. And, um, and as I held the interior castle, and I said to everybody, this is the interior castle. Uh, this is by the great Teresa of Avila, 16th century, Carmelite mystic. Spanish, the patron saint of Spain. And as I was talking about her, all of a sudden the room went silent. And I couldn't hear my audience anymore. I couldn't. The whole sense of hearing was cut off. And um, it wasn't a classic deafness. I simply was being removed and I thought, uh, what's happening to me? And then I heard her. I knew something was near me. Something of great and profound sacredness was near me. And I heard her. And she said, follow me, daughter. And I held her book. I, I, I froze on the stage. And you know, I am so gifted as a teacher. I truly am gifted as a teacher. It is a calling in me. It is a passion. And so instantly I thought, oh my God, don't let them see this. Don't let them see that we haven't met Teresa, you and I, because I cannot bear the thought that they would think that I don't know your work as a scholar. That weekend, I didn't move off that chair. And I thought that none of them had noticed and everyone saw. Every one of my students saw. Um, the bookmark, the infamous bookmark, which you're opening her, which while, I shall opening her purse now and pulling out the bookmark. And I will pull it out. I'm never away from my bookmark. Um, I taught Teresa Babila that whole weekend as if I was a scholar. 
as if I was a scholar. Knowing that you you had not really studied her, but you oh, just I hadn't it, it studied was coming her through you. any more than I had uh, uh, studied any of the others, which was just to study them in general, but not, of course, to as if I had done a dissertation on Teresa. I'd been writing another book. I was under contract with uh, Free Press, Simon & Schuster, to, to write a book, and it was due in five months. And you don't mess with Simon & Schuster. You don't mess with a New York de deadline, right? Um, I didn't teach any other mystic that whole weekend. I, 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 I would return to the seat and grab her book and think, is she going to come back? Mm -hmm. Is she going to come back? I didn't say anything to anybody else, but one of my closest friends, who's a colleague who teaches with me at my institute, which, by the way, is academically accredited through a university here in San Francisco, Wisdom. I'm, su I'm sure you know Jim Garrison, and, and uh, so I'm, I'm pleased to say. Um, he was educated by Jesuits, and, and uh, he saw the whole... Every all my students saw that something had happened. Yes. But I said to him, I can hear Teresa of Avila. And he said, I suspected as much. What happened was on Sunday night after this workshop, when I came home, I deleted my whole book that I'd been working on for eight months, Michael. I went upstairs. And I hit the delete button. Wow. It was eight <laughs> chapters, seven chapters. I threw the whole thing out. Yes. Every note, right. the backup, everything. And then um, I called my editor the next day. And I said, I met Teresa of Avila this weekend. The book I was writing is gone. I'm now writing a book called Entering the Castle. And my editor paused for a moment. She said, okay, tell Teresa you got five months. And then I'll tell you about the book, Mark. Okay, I'm speaking with Carolyn Mace, author of Entering the Castle, An Inner Path to God and Your Soul. My name is Michael Toms, and you're listening to New Dimensions. أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله My guest is Carolyn Mace. She's the author of Entering the Castle, An Inner Path to God in Your Soul. It's a book based on the interior castle of St. Teresa of Avila. You were going to tell us the story of the bookmark. Well, you know, after an experience like um, I had that, that weekend, after deleting all my work on a book that actually was pretty good. I'm sure you didn't think about that when you did it. You just did it. No, I made a choice. I felt that I'd been given a passion. More, and today I would say, in Teresa's language, God came into the walls of my soul. 
And that was it. Um, there was, that was my way of saying, I'm, I'm, yes. So I called my editor and I said, I told her what happened and I said, I, I'm now going to write a book called Entering the Castle. I'm going into the soul. I am going with Teresa and this is the book. And my editor said, uh, last time you were like this. You wrote Anatomy of the Spirit. She said, go. And then she paused and she said, and tell Teresa, you got five months for the deadline. <laughs> and then I kind of, shall we say, spiritually sobered up and thought, what if, what if I made this whole thing up? But I knew I didn't. And then, the, but then the mail came. And in the mail was what I'm holding in front of you. Okay. Just this card in an envelope, Michael. All right. It was from England. And let me pull it out and show you this handwriting, which I couldn't make out this word at all. I think you can see that the handwriting is very old-fashioned and, and done in a uh, fountain pen. Yes. I didn't know what that word was. And the rest reads, praying for you. Now I know it reads, I am, but I couldn't see that then. It said, praying for your health and protection each day. May God guide you with every step, with love and prayers. Could not make out that name. Lorette, Colette, what was that name? I don't, I didn't know anyone by that name. Mm -hmm. The last said, thank you so much for your, for lighting our way. I thought, who is this? I don't know who this is. But what I saw at the bottom was that this was from a Carmelite monastery. And of course, Teresa was a Carmelite. Yes. And I thought, oh my goodness, how lovely. But Tom, but Michael, then I turned it over. Right. Let nothing disturb you. God alone suffices. St. Teresa of Avila. And there's a beautiful picture. It, I, I grabbed that and I knew mm -hmm. that Teresa was with me. So. A sign. That was it. That was it. Yeah. So, Teresa's story, the, the interior castle, let's talk about the castle. Mm -hmm. And the castle is really, if, if we can visualize a real castle, I mean, it's like there's a moat, there's a drawbridge. There's... Wait, wait, you know, Teresa was a, um, she lived before the age of reason. And that's a significant part of, you know, what is a mystic? Let's go there. Let's approach this that way. Teresa lived in the 1600s. And that was before, it was just as the age of reason was about to take shape and, 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 and take over. And she lived at a time when the soul was still a very real force. The mind had yet to become the dominant force in us. Reason had yet to take over and force the soul into, to relegate the soul into a position of powerlessness where it is now. It's not real. It's not a real force. If it were, a word like reflection would be part of our vocabulary. We would speak about what becomes of us after this life, but we don't go there. We go backwards. And we talk about where we lived because we know how we make up the endings to our stories. Well, I must have lived then and I must have lived here and I had that past life and all this nonsense. But we never talk about our death because that's far too negative. We're a very juvenile culture spiritually, if you even want to call it that. Because we only like pleasure, but we don't deal with the negative. 
a kindergarten or a play, play school. I want whatever you want to call it. But I mean, the fact is, it's just silly. Yes. It's, it's just very, very juvenile. It's narcissism. We've turned the need for pleasure and the search for our pain and who hurt us, the who done it, uh, crime solving in terms of, uh, uh, our, our pain into a spiritual experience. We think that's spirituality, finding out who hurt me and, or, or defining, uh, illness as if I find out the lesson, I'll be rewarded by my health because that's what a good little girl does. And that's what a good little boy does. And that's our concept of the cosmos, not how do I serve others in our world? Serving people too much exhausts us and gives us the right to resent those who we serve. Don't you think that's primarily a, a Western idea? I mean, a, a Judeo-Christian idea, good little boy, good little girl. You don't find that too much in the East, I don't think. Well, you don't find the concept of the service in the East, do you? Well, the Buddhists have a pretty good concept of service. Well, not in the same way we do. Okay. Not in the same way we do. In our way, it was in the Christian way, for example... If you don't serve, you don't go anywhere. It is essential in Christianity, for example, to be of service to your brethren. That is part of its fiber. What happened to the Christians? <laughs> no, I mean, well, we won't even go there. I don't even want. To, I don't even want to go there. But you could say in every in every um, what happened to humanity. Is your greater question. But anyway, with Teresa. Yes. Her mystical life was so exquisite because the, the soul was such a focus and there was no, um, uh, doubt that a person could have an intimate relationship with heaven. That is not something anybody wants these days. That's not even, it's not even, um, something people consciously want. And yet. But you think there's a really, I mean, you've, I think you even used the phrase, there's a great craving. But that's a, there's a craving and a fundamental yearning for divine intimacy. And yet, because we have grown so passionate about the intellectual, reasonable, rational life, the soul is the irrational part of you. So these are in juxtaposition. It's the unexpected. I mean, it, it, it's no, it's the surrender point. Okay, surrender. It point. is the absolute surrender point. It is thy will be done. Hands off. It is the a mystical experience is tumbling into the power of God versus discussing God and deciding this is what God is. Here's 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 the here's what we do. There must be a reason for this because God has a reason for all things. And so long as I believe that I control the nature of God, I control the nature of God by how I define God. Whereas in a mystical experience, God says, oh yeah, let me show you what I'm really like <laughs> and blows your wiring right out of the water. Blows your wiring, your arrogance right out of the water and says, and so what did you say I was like? Right. And you get to say, oops, oops, sorry about that. It is the book of Job. Mm -hmm. It is God saying to Job, excuse me, I owe you an explanation about what? I owe you nothing. 
much less an explanation. I owe you nothing. And a mystical experience brings you to your knees. Remind, yeah, it reminds me of the story that you wrote about, I don't know where this is, but I read it about the woman that came to you and said, I've done all the exercises, I've done everything yeah, you told yeah. me, I did everything, and nothing happened. That's right, nothing happened. Do you have a prayer that works? I love that one. Do you have a prayer that works? I didn't get my way. I didn't get my way. That is our arrogance to the max, to the max. That we do something and we expect something in return for it. And, and Teresa would say, don't you dare expect anything. Expect everything. Expect nothing. Expect everything. Expect nothing. Now walk into that paradox. That is mysticism. That is mysticism. Expect nothing. Expect everything. Expect nothing. Expect everything. Walk into that. It, she says, when she, when, when her spiritual director said, her spirit, her mystical experiences were so profound, she would enter into prayer that's another thing. We don't know anything about prayer, so we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, she would, God would come for her. She would say, God came for me today. And my, my mind wanted to go with, my eyes wanted to go with, my ears wanted to go with, but they couldn't. So I left them behind. And then I came back. Her, she became, like all the great mystics, a cosmic soul. So my book is not about Catholicism, but every great soul needed a package. Rumi does not belong to the Islamic Sufi tradition, but he needed a package. And Teresa does not belong to the Catholic tradition. She needed a package. The greats need a package and a way to God. And eventually, uh, Teresa, he had a vision of the Trinity, and it burst her through to a cosmic level. And she said, oh my God, is that what that meant? Power, knowledge, freedom. And she was out. So when she said, how do I get to you? She was given the vision. The soul is a crystal and it has seven mansions. Oh my, seven. When I saw that, of course, seven chakras. I went, and it was anatomy of the spirit. It was as if I realized anatomy had prepared me. And I, I went seven chakras, seven levels, seven sacraments, seven levels to the tree of life. And then I saw that it was the universal template. And from there, all my years of teaching sacred contracts entered into this. Because with contracts, people are always saying, you know, what's my contract? What's my contract? What's my contract? But they don't want the sacred part of it. Okay, the sacred means that you want to say to God, how do you want me to be of service? Contract is, you know what, this is what's true. Let me explain the inherent, the, the archetypal, the inherent part of us. Everybody starts out needing a job because a job is how we cope with our need to survive. We've got to find a way to survive here. We've got to find a way to feed ourselves and our five senses say, how am, gonna, how am I going to survive? But eventually survival is not good enough for anybody. Eventually a person wants to be able to influence their world around them, even a little bit. And so from survival and job, they got to get a little more clever and that's called a career. 
But eventually all careers burn out because they're not meaningful enough. And so a person will then ask the question that brings heaven to their door. What's the meaning of my life? That's when God comes to call mysticism, a vocation. We'll pick that up in a minute. Speaking with Carolyn Mace, author of Entering the Castle, An Inner Path to God in Your Soul, also Anatomy of the Spirit. If you'd like more information about the work of Carolyn, her seminar schedule or workshop schedule, and CMED, you can contact the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. My name is Michael Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. My guest is Carolyn Mace, author of Entering the Castle, An Inner Path to God and Your Soul, published by Free Press, part of Simon & Schuster. And Carolyn, uh, we were talking about engaging with the external world. And mm. Well, then, what you know what happens is it's inevitable that at some point, career is not enough. Not enough. And this is when service, what we spoke about earlier, comes into play. And a person will say, what's the purpose of my life? What, what was the, for what reason did God give me life? That's when a person's actually asking to see their vocation. That's when they put the word sacred in front of contract. Okay. That's when they start wake up, waking up the rumblings of their soul. And they put, they animate their soul's force next to their ego. Let's, let's, let's define a term here because I think there may be some confusion. What is the soul versus the mind, the spirit? Well, here, Western people love word games, but let, let's just say that the ego mind is a, is a team. Right. Okay. The rational self versus the mystical self. The deeper irrational divine force within that cannot be defined. It cannot be defined. It can only be experienced. It is the part if someone says, what's drawing you to this? You would have to say, I don't know. Everybody goes around trying to define it, though. Well, let them. And let them chase their tails. That's because they want to control it. To define it is to control it. That's why they love definitions. If I can catch you, if I can capture you in definitions, I can control you. Well, you yourself was were raised in the Catholic tradition. I mean, 29 years of you with the with the nuns and then in a convent and all the rest of it. I mean, that's a well, very... I was not in a convent as a nun. I understand. Let's I understand. Be, let's be clear. You were going to school. Mm-hmm. and I, that, well, The school was also included in a convent. Lot, nuns love me now. <laughs> I bet. Uh, I'm sure they do. Yes, they do. Uh, they call uh, me the, my, our Carolyn. <laughs> right, because that, that was a very structured environment. That's a yeah. very clear, I mean, very specific yeah. definition of, okay, this is the way it is. It's, and it's usually black and white. There's no gray there. Um, 
That's, so, that's, it's true. That is the color of the habit. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. So now you're saying you're, this is something very different. So you're coming out of it. You're, you're now saying <clears> that that, it's like, we, here's a structure that has this, okay, this is the way God is, but God isn't that way. God mm-hmm. is, I mean, we don't know. I mean, you can't define it, right? You can't really, it's like, it's the paradox that it's ineffable and, just like St. Teresa Avila, she has to use metaphors. She has to use... Right. I mean, uh, but so did the writers of the Psalms. Of course. Eventually, all mystics, anyone who finally crosses into the castle, which is Teresa's metaphor for the soul, has to use metaphor. Because the experience of God does not fit into the words. And anybody who tries to capture God in words is trying to capture the experience of God so they can control the nature of God. So when you say, but define it for me, I'm going to say no. You coward. Either you go in and experience the soul. I will not give you the experience ahead of time. I will not. Either you learn how to pray and you enter into your soul. Or not. I will not give you your interior ahead of time. That's why I wrote the book. So when you cross that drawbridge and you go into the castle, you go down. I'm thinking of Joe Campbell and the, and the, the path of following your bliss. Basically, the path goes downward and you have to engage those demons and all of those fearsome parts Rep- of he ourselves. Calls, Teresa calls them reptiles. Reptiles, exactly. And, and so. It's but it's in, not just that. No, I know. It's not just that. That's the Western person who thinks that their soul is full of demons. It's full of power. It's full of an untapped resource. Listen, what's a mystic? A mystic is someone who's passionately in love with God, who's passionately in love with truth, and who's passionately in love with fearless bliss, who has the capacity to listen to an interior instruction and follow it without saying, but what will the neighbors think? Who isn't controlled by the horrendous pathological fear of being humiliated, which is what controls humanity. The worst reptile you have in your soul is is the fear of being humiliated. And that's the first place you go in your soul, is mansion number one, humility, chaos, and the seduction of God. That's your first mansion. And you go into those rooms where you have to examine how much the fear of humiliation has controlled you and all the decisions you've ever made in your life. Because in actually acknowledging that, you're going to acknowledge that you you are finally going to connect the dot, that you've always heard your divine guidance. You finally have to actually say, I have always heard my inner guidance. I simply didn't like it because I was afraid I would be humiliated if I followed my soul. And actually, I would much rather serve the outer world than risk being humiliated. And therefore, I have no trust at all in God. As far as I'm concerned, God doesn't exist. So it's like that feeling you had on the stage there for a moment where you were thinking, oh my God. I'm going to have a seizure. Yes. Because my whole encounter with Teresa, the wiring began in my office 
when I, when I looked with great awe at how powerful the human soul was, when I realized as I was writing Invisible Acts of Power, the capacity we have within us to make a difference in each other's lives, how little the soul, how powerful the mustard seed the soul is versus the mountain the, 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 the powerlessness of the ego versus the, this is why the, the, the mystics in monasteries change the world with the power of their soul, whereas a powerless ego requires armies and all it does is destroy. 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 See if someone's name comes to mind. But with a soul that's in its power, it can remain hidden, close its eyes, follow the instruction to enter prayer and channel grace. And a whole world is lit with light. That's how profoundly powerful a mystic is. When I came to that realization in my office, I completely, my, it was as if my heart shattered. It was as if I know I crossed into my castle in, in, I don't like talking about it because this is my prayer life. I really don't. I feel like I'm exposing a part that shouldn't be spoken about truly, but I will say this much. God came for me that day and it and it came in a form of great heat. And I had a grand mal seizure. And when I woke up... A grand mal seizure. Tell us what that is, a grand mal Grand mal, I was unconscious. Okay. And when I came out of it, I knew I'd been rewired. A fire burned through me. Like Yates said, and Hazel... I went to the Hazelwood and a fire burned through me. And I knew I'd been rewired. I could sense the world differently after that. I, I felt hypersensitive. Hyper. And that day with Teresa on the stage, when the, when, when, the, when my room, when they went, when I went silent and I couldn't hear my audience, I, th- I felt like I was being pulled in. And I, th- and I thought, oh my God, my senses are going numb. I'm going to seize again a second time. But I, it was Teresa. But y- you know, I think heaven makes you so vulnerable. It is a complete surrender of everything, your senses, your sense of, you, you're going to knock me out anywhere. You're going to knock me out in the middle of a stage. You're going to knock me out in the middle of a street. I had to actually say, that's it. I, I, I have to trust you for the rest of my life. You have taken me down. And that's when I said, Thy will be done.
That word humiliation, it's an interesting word if you go back to the origins of that word. It includes humility. Mm-hmm. It's like it's in the root there. So it's kind of like the the warp and the woof, the, the other side, the, each kind of walking an edge there. Well, we don't just discern. See, we don't, we don't have any reverence. We don't know the word reverence. We don't know the word reflect. We have, you know, when you don't have... Um, what we did was that we took, in becoming far too relaxed in the 60s, far too casual in the 60s, which we did, we tossed out the essential vocabulary for the soul, which caused us to mutate in a certain way. It did not serve us. To throw out words like reflect, discernment, to the words that cause us to become refined in a deep and inner way. You think we threw them out in the 60s? I think that what we did was we became too casual with the sacred. Yes, I do. I think that we absolutely developed an idea that to approach God could be done any way we want. That it didn't require prayer or reflection or contemplation. We substituted therapy for devotion. So you're, you know, there was the human potential movement yeah. and all of that. And we substituted therapy for devotion. And that, well, that's not one and the same thing. I'm sorry, it's not, Michael. There's another aspect of the 60s, which was the music. Uh, yeah. Ugh. I love the music of the 60s. I adore the music of the 60s. Um, makes me, no, no, you want to <laughs> Makes know? you nostalgic. No, no, really. Yeah, I, I listened to it because it was like happy. It was a good time. We're the last free Americans. I mean, it was just such a good time. That's why you know, people listen to it. It was a psychically... Now, the, our atmosphere is filled with psychic free radicals. <laughs> but we'll get to that. I was speaking with Carolyn Mace, author of Entering the Castle, An Inner Path to God and Your Soul. We're talking about the seven mansions of the interior castle of St. Teresa of Avila. My name is Michael Toms, and you're listening to New Dimensions. Bisha kila hena hena hana na kila hena hena hana hana na tegla kila hana shena hana na tegla bela hena hena hana na hena hana hena hana hena hana hena hena hana tegla hana hena hana tegla kila hena hena hana na. Vesha hela hena hena hana na tegla kela hena hena hana shana hana hela hela hana tegla kela hela hela hana hena hana hena hana na I'm speaking with Carolyn Mace, author of Entering the Castle: An Inner Path to God and Your Soul. Carolyn, mystics without monasteries. I want to talk about the fact that I, 
I feel very strongly that the new mystic, the mystical activist, if you will, or the mystical activism, there is a lay mystic. You know, mystics, especially Christian or Catholic mysticism, got a bad rap because it was involved with so much suffering. And, and as a result, the idea of having an intimate relationship with God and being in the world is a very bad connection, which is another reason I'll tell you that most people have a very intellectual connection to God if they have any. So it's like we have to suffer, that idea that we yeah, have to suffer. Yeah, and suffer and poverty and chastity and no physical connection. But you have to remember that was, that was what was classic to the 1200s, 13, 14, 15, 16. But people did suffer back there because there wasn't any medicine. Everybody suffered back then. I mean, who had medicine? And if there were hospitals and paramedics and medicine and, and, and all of these dramatic ways of treating illness, well, there's a real good chance that they would have been treated too. But what they did was they looked at their illness and instead of collapsing under the, the uh, tuberculosis or, or the cancers or the other diseases of the time, the plague, they looked at it and said, well, if this is what God is giving me, then I will deal with it with the force of my soul. And so that's where the connection began that of illness and God. But it wasn't that, oh, look how God loves me. He's given me cancer. It was rather that when you develop this, because there's no other way to treat it, treat it with the force of what you've got inside of yourself. Well, that just doesn't exist. We still get these diseases. People still turn to God, but but it's there is such a um, only faith in crisis now. It's quite extraordinary. We haven't changed that much. But what I see so very clearly is that people are at, are suffering the crises of the mystic. They are looking for the same passionate meaning. They are looking to be effective in the world. Only they think that that effectiveness is going to be found through an occupation. The depth of which, the depth of their emptiness that is causing them to constantly say to me, what's my sacred contract? Is not a depth that's going to be filled by going going in and starting a health spa or whatever. And first of all, they don't have the courage to do it. They're not going to, at age 50, 55, cash in their retirement and take a risk with the health spa or moving to another part of the country or, or, or starting something. And they're not going to do it. So they are, their wiring is crossed. What people are actually, that passion that's in them, what they're actually looking for or feeling is a much deeper calling to be of effective as, to be effective as a channel for grace in the world. What they're actually doing, feeling is that sense, that sense to awaken to the capacity to make a difference in the world through learning what it is to channel grace at a distance, to channel grace within their life, to channel grace to those around them, to heal through the force of their soul, to make a difference through prayer, to become 
a mystic out of a monastery to, to go to work in their life, whatever their occupation is, to be a lay person in the field and yet to work through the force of guidance with such stamina to have a direct connection with God. Do you know that one of the worst viruses, it's like a psychic free radical in the new age, is the idea that I was born for something great, but I don't know what it is. And the consequence of that is that most people get up with a tremendous feeling of inadequacy. That their life is just not enough, but they're waiting for some great big huge revelation. And as a result, they don't like the life they have. Everything's inadequate and their relationships are dysfunctional. When in fact, what they're really waiting for, what they really should, should be able to do is get up and say, this is exactly the life I want, is the life I have. And the people that I'm with, I should look at them and say, you're the person, you are the people who agreed to meet me down here, to be a witness to the fact that I even ever lived, to witness my life, to witness my pain, to witness my joy, and I am here to witness you. We need to know that each of us was on this earth. That is our sacred contract with each other. And this is your spiritual support system. It's and important this to have is that, yeah. Exactly. I am here to help illuminate your life. To learn the grace of illumination is to learn to go into the soul. The soul's journey is not just one of pain. Teresa wasn't about just go in there and look at your pain, 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 pain. That's what the New Age is taught, that it's just a journey into pain. You know what? One of the things she says to you, but it's very clear, is that wait till God comes for you. You have not begun to experience exquisite until your mystical life begins. And it does not take you away from your physical life so that you, you have no more physical sensation. She was a model for mystical orgasms, for mystical sensuality. It is not a separation of your physical body. It is a absolute unity of body, mind, and soul. Soul, not spirit. Soul. So I wrote Entering the Castle to take the best of her wisdom and the needs of our contemporary time, and I wove them together under her guidance. Because I believe that the new calling is indeed mystics out of monasteries at a time when our world is in as much crisis in the outside as we are on the inside. And that our spirituality of um, health, if you will, and, and food spirituality, organic vegetables, is not a spirituality. That's a, that's a lifestyle. But the true path, which is one of devotion and prayer, devotion to self-illumination, devotion and reflection, is what is required to get us into, to just make this world a better place. You're entitled to nothing. Nothing. And to everything. So how has your life changed since you had this 
since you're obviously living with this ongoing um, experience, how is your life different? You know, I, I tell you, I, <laughs> I, I have laughing. I get, I get hysterical in the most, I, um, I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm very, I'm, I live in my castle now. I live in my interior castle, Michael. And much to my surprise, and I did not see this coming, I did not see it coming, I did not see it coming. I now, of course, do workshops on interior cast, on entering the castle all the time. And because I take people into the castle, it requires that I engage the power of prayer and grace. And anyone who's ever studied with me or ever attended a lecture or seminar knows I have never started a lecture or seminar with a prayer or a meditation. I don't do anything because that's what New Agers do. Unless I'm comfortable with it, I don't do it. Let me just say that I never did uh, prayer. Now I, I do. And what I am seeing is healings. Healings of cancers. Healings of leukemias. Healings. I didn't expect that. And the only way I can even begin to explain that is that taking people into the castle in a room where they open themselves to being channels for grace in their soul is melting, is creating a, a, a fire that is melting through illness in a way I've never experienced before. I mean, I've never, I've never done any of this. So I am a novice in this field, but what I have come to understand is the way we've approached healing, which is through the mind, is useless. Healing is fundamentally a mystical experience. It is not in the mind and it never will be. So all of your all of your previous work that you've done has really been preparation for where you are now. Is that is that an accurate statement? I would absolutely say so. But that's been the nature of my life, hasn't it? One work has led me to another, has led me to another, has led me to another. So I can see where I'll be going next. There's a piece at the end of the book that I'd like to ask you if you could read. This was Teresa's favorite prayer. This is how she wanted the book to end. Let nothing disturb you. Let nothing frighten you. All things pass away. God never changes. Patience obtains all things. He who has God lacks for nothing, and God alone suffices. Teresa of Avila. Carolyn, thanks for being with us today. You're welcome. I've been speaking with Carolyn Mace, author of Entering the Castle, an inner path to God in your soul. If you'd like more information about the work of Carolyn Mace, you can contact the New Dimensions website. That's newdimensions.org. My name is Michael Toms, and you've been listening to New Dimensions. This is program number 3199. You've been listening to a New Dimensions archive edition, recorded in 
2007. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. You can also subscribe to our free weekly podcasts and find over a thousand hours of audio dialogues in our searchable archive. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine Willis-Toms. Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. For over four decades, New Dimensions has been producing weekly conversations at the leading edge. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson. On behalf of everyone at New Dimensions whose endeavors make this program possible, I'm wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions. To find out more about the program you've just heard, to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and our New Dimensions and New Dimensions Cafe podcasts, and to access thousands of other programs in the New Dimensions archive, please visit our website, newdimensions.org. That's newdimensions.org. Or call us at 707-468-5215. That's 707-468-5215. Please join us next time as we explore New Dimensions. Thank you.